Welcome to another edition of Garden Talk. Hi, Larry Mueller here on the show today. We'll be talking about how to plan, plant, and tend a resilient, edible landscape with the author of a dandy book. And we'll be talking uh, with her in just a minute or two. But here we are on the last day of our listener-supported Wisconsin Public Radio member drive. It's the last day of the drive. Listener donations are the largest source of funding for our shows. And if you've been meaning to give, uh, well, now's the time because the drive ends at 6 o'clock. To do that, go to WPR.org or you can call 888-202-2552. And I'm happy to have uh, garden guru Ezra Wall join us, uh, in addition to being a garden guru. He is also the WPR regional manager from our lacrosse bureau. Ezra, good to have you with us. Larry, I think you're you're overselling me. I, <laughs> garden guru, a, a friend of mine who was a horticulturist uh, that, I, that tried to get me to grow mold in a jar of applesauce, and I couldn't even do that. <laughs> He said, anybody can grow something. You can grow mold in applesauce. Failed. <laughs> Failed miserably. Well, then, ex-garden guru, Ezra <laughs> Hey, we've got, a, we've got some goals here, haven't we, for this uh, show? Yeah, we sure do. We're looking for 15 people to join in, and that'll help us keep on track uh, to keep the Larry Mueller Show and all the other WPR programs going strong. So people, if they haven't had a chance to make their gift over the last couple of weeks, now's the day to do it. Go to WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Here at uh, Wisconsin Public Radio, we are committed to quality, and that's why we've been around for more than 100 years, I'm I'm guessing. And since listener donations make up the largest piece of funding for our shows, that quality is possible thanks to you. That's right. Your contribution makes this program possible, and not just this program, but all of the other shows that you listen to on WPR every week. When you give, you're part of the quality that you hear every day on Wisconsin Public Radio. So make a difference right now with your gift. Go to WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Maybe you've been listening to WPR without giving because you didn't know that we were listener-supported or that we are listener-supported. Well, um, we sure are. The largest source of our funding comes from listeners. Or maybe you wanted to uh, listen for a while to make sure you like it, make sure that garden advice you get on Garden Talk works out for you. Well, you're still listening, so it might it must have worked just fine. Now it's time to give your gift of $10 a month or $20 a month, whatever other amount you choose. Every gift makes a big difference. So go to WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. I've just learned a lot by listening to public radio. I feel like I can use it. It's something I can use in my life and learn more or do something different or think differently. It kind of runs with my family. My mom listens to public radio. My dad listens to public radio. My brother listens to public radio, although I think he's unlucky because he lives in New York, and we have the best public radio here. I've traveled around the country, and this is the best. I'm Katie Simonson from Burlington. Wisconsin Public Radio is my source for news and information. You can go to WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552 to make your donation. Larry Mueller here with Ezra Wall. Your support during our drive makes the shows you rely on possible, and your gift, 10 20 bucks a month, whatever amount you choose is the right amount. 
It's not only the right amount, Larry, it's really, really easy to do. Giving a gift to WPR, it's important to us, so we've made it as easy as possible. It just takes a few minutes of your time and whatever that amount is that you've decided. Let's say $10 a month. And that donation comes back to you every day in the form of engaging programs. So please show your support at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. This hour, we've got a goal of 15 gifts. If you've already given, thank you so much. But this is the last day of our member drive. So if you haven't given yet, now is the time. You can join in at WPR.org or call 888 202 2552 and just remember you make WPR possible when you give. And you can ask for your WPR belt bag, I call them fanny packs, when you make <laughs> a too. gift of $10 a month or more to support the WPR programs. It's a stylish accessory, a perfect way to carry all your essentials, and you'll be reminded of your support of WPR every time you use it. So ask for yours at wpr.org or at 888-202-2552. If you're a sustaining member, thank you so much. More than half of our members are sustaining members. Make today the day that you increase your sustaining membership by $5 a month or $10 a month at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Elizabeth in Cross Plains sent a nice note. I listen to WPR every day. It's a habit I formed when I was a kid. And my parents listen to it. The voices and names are becoming so familiar, they're like old friends. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks a lot, Elizabeth. If you'd like to join Elizabeth with your gift, you can at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And thank you very, very much for your contributions. And thanks for being with us here for Garden Talk. We've got a dandy uh, story for you today, I think, here with our guest, uh, Danny Baker. She's the author of the book we'll be talking about. It's titled The Home Scale Forest Garden. Uh, And Danny conducts workshops. She gives uh, presentations at organic farming conferences and other venues. And again, she's written a really interesting book. She's from New York uh, as well. And so our growing zones are pretty much exactly the same. We're three to five here. I think New York is about the same. Uh, And if you would like to know how to make your garden more resilient, I hope you'll join in. Please give us a call right now, 800-642-1234, or send an email to ideas at wpr.org. Danny Baker, welcome. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed your book. Uh, it, the, what you're writing about here can apply directly to our Wisconsin gardeners. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I hadn't heard the term until I read your book, as a matter of fact, the forest garden. What is a forest garden? It's probably a good way to start. Well, it's an intentional planting of perennial food plants that's modeled after a forest edge. So if you think about a cut in the road where there's forest, there's tall trees, there's short trees, there's there's bushes, there's herbaceous plants, there's ground cover, there's even sometimes vines curling up where it's nice and sunny. And so this garden is, um, is modeled after that, but not only 
are you using all the vertical space, but you're building in other plants that provide all the nutrients that your food plants need, pest protection, pollination, so that um, it's, it's modeled after nature. In nature, nobody mulches, nobody weeds, nobody fertilizes, right? Nobody sprays for pests. Nature takes care of it. So you're trying to emulate that in your own resilient garden. And with a lot of perennials. I'm wondering about annuals. Here in, in uh, Wisconsin, if you don't have tomatoes in your garden, people wonder what's wrong with you almost. <laughs> what, what part do annuals like tomatoes uh, pay, play in a forest garden? Well, if you want to, you can designate an area for your annual vegetables. It needs to have a lot of sun, obviously. Um, or you can scatter them around um, among your other perennial plants, if you wish. Um, the thing with the forest garden, though, is you really don't want to disturb the soil. So if you're planting annuals everywhere, you're, you're doing a lot of disturbance. And that kind of goes against the idea of just having that soil life, you know, flourish without any disturbance. You're an organic gardener, and you uh, were a psychologist. I loved your first chapter, by the way, in which you, oh, thank you. you, you talked about your uh, kind of your life story. How would you become a—tell that story, how you became an organic gardener uh, from being a psychologist. Well, you know, when I was nearing retirement, I was panicked over how I was going to spend my idle time because I'm not good with unstructured time. So we bought this 100-acre piece of property that— Used to be an organic, uh, used to be a dairy farm, but that had gone out of business in the 50s. And um, we weren't planning to be farmers, but we took a course that taught us, you know, that kind of oriented us to being farmers. And um, we just planted some vegetables that did well, and then we ended up getting animals. Anyway, being a farmer uh, resolved my issue with idle time because now I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> you never have any, as you say in the book. There's never idle time when you're when you're no. a farmer. Um, uh, for sure. And I like the fact, uh, just to mention this, and, and maybe we should have you talk about the book a little bit more, uh, generally describe it for our audience. But uh, one of the things I noted, you relied a lot on, uh, well, quite a bit, I think, on Cooperative Extension and your extension agents in New York. Yeah, well, actually, that would, that's what inspired me to... Uh, plant the garden to start with. I took a two hour class at my local cooperative extension on permaculture. I'd never even heard the term before, but the concepts made so much sense to me that I decided then and there, I was gonna plant an edible forest. I came home, I told my partner, I need a fence because we have a lot of deer pressure here on the island. Yeah, And um, he built one for me and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really, uh, really cool. So how's your t talk about how your book is organized? OK, well, the first section really talks about how to study your land and how to plan this kind of planting. And it doesn't have to be a large area. It could be a foundation planting. It could be one bed in your backyard. It could be an edible hedge. You don't need a, you know, if you're, if you're in a suburban area, you don't need a whole, you know, an acre, acres of land to do this. So how to study your land, how to plan, um, how to understand all the different um, habitats, the, the moisture, the soil moisture, the orientation of your slopes, all of that. And then, um, how to select plants to go and how to integrate other plants that provide the nutrients and all the other services that you want your edible plants to, to benefit from. 
You know, and as I, I was looking through the book uh, and I went uh, just to I went back to your appendix to see because you have a, a nice appendix of all of the plants and, and so forth and when they mature and things of that nature. And I looked down that list and and they're all plants that we grow right here in Wisconsin. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in uh, hardiness zone four. And yeah. probably much like mo most of your state, I have tried to, to push the envelope and grow things that are more like zone five. And in my book, I talk about all my successes and failures with those. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> I think most of what I grow, you can grow. Absolutely. Um, and, and you didn't always plan to create a forest garden. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, it, this is its 11th season, but I just taking that class and that way I just decided, I think, you know, I, we've been running the organic farm for seven years and I think it was maybe the seven year itch, you know, I was anxious <laughs> to do something different and then there it was. And I said, wow. And I've always liked fruit. So, you know, there's a lot of berry bushes, a lot of fruit trees, nut trees, um, perennial, uh, perennial vegetables, herbs, um, edible flowers, all of those things are integrated into the garden. I have over 300 different plants, food plants. And yeah. you have a, a, the farm is about, I think it was 101 acres, if I, re, I mm -hmm. remember right. And yep. the portion of it that's designated as your forest garden area is, doesn't cover that. But it covers... No, it's just one acre. It's just one acre. I started with half an acre and then I expanded it the third year I decided I don't have enough to do. So I expanded it into another half acre. Yeah. And, uh, and you sell a lot of the produce that you. Yep. Yep. The... Well, I sell, you know, I, I sell directly um, in our little farm stand. I sell to some chefs and also we have you pick in the garden. So people come in by appointment and they can, whatever's in season, they can pick. Um, yeah. And I also make jams that I sell over the, over the winter. <laughs> Never a dull moment in your right. household, for sure. Danny Baker, our guest today, and her book is titled The Home Scale Forest Garden. She has a pretty good size one, uh, but you can do start your own in your own backyard, and we'll learn some more about that as we move along, and I hope you'll join in with your questions about that. Just a reminder, it's the last day of our Wisconsin Public Radio fall member drive and Ezra Wall comes back to be with me for a minute. Your gift, any amount makes a difference. That's and right. Listener support is the largest source of funding for WPR programs. And that means your support funds the Larry Miller show, as well as all the WPR shows that you count on. So give right now. If you're appreciating this information about creating sort of an edible space in your garden, uh, you can show that appreciation by giving at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And this hour, our goal is 15 gifts. I want to thank you so much if you've already given. If you haven't, give now and fund the programs you count on. Join in at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Every week on uh, Garden Talk, we have a different expert. And Larry, right when I think you're going to run out of topics to talk about, <laughs> you find new experts talking about things that I never even thought of for our yards and gardens and all the things we love to grow. We talk with horticulture profes professors, uh, nationally renowned gardeners, 
stars, and we take questions from regular people, too. And you can support that work, support Garden Talk, support all of the programs that you listen to uh, on WPR with your gift at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Whether you've given before or you're making your first ever donation, you can sign up for ongoing monthly uh, gifts. What that what you do is you just pick the amount that works for you. Go to WPR.org, as we've said, or call 888-202-2552 and let them know how, you, how much you want to give. It takes just a couple of minutes, and once it's set up, your support for programs like Garden Talk is always current. This member drive, let WPR help you keep up with the latest fashion trends. Ask for your WPR belt bag when you give $10 a month for the programs you rely on. How would you use your WPR belt bag? How wouldn't I use it? I'd keep snacks in my WPR belt bag. It could be used as a fanny pack. To hold all the accoutrement of my life. You could just put it off the side on your hip if you're so inclined. Either hip would work, left or right. I'd use my WPR belt bag when I travel. All my important stuff right there on my waist, quick and easy to grab. Keep your essentials close and accessible while proudly displaying your support for WPR with this stylish accessory. Ask for yours when you give $10 a month or more. Here's how. Give at WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552 and make your contribution during our drive. Larry Miller here with Ezra Wall. Listener supports our biggest source of funding, and that's why your gift of $10 a month $100 a month, whatever amount you choose has an important impact. Support the programs that you love right now when you give at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And then take another great step. Check with your workplace. Check with your company. A lot of people have the ability to match your gift. So see if your company has something like that. Yeah, I know many corporations match their employees' donations, and even if they're retired. So thank you for going that extra step for the programs you care about. And after you've made your gift at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552, you will feel very good. That's right. Listeners make the programs here on Wisconsin Public Radio worthwhile, and members make it all possible. You get all these great shows because members, people like you who donate, kick in the largest uh, amount of funding for our shows. Maybe become a member right now. Help make WPR possible with your gift of $100 a month, $10 a month, any amount you choose at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Our goal this hour is to, for 15 people to make a contribution. And the reason we set up that goal is we add up like how much we need and we kind of divide it by hours and you know how many listeners listen during each time of day. And we figured out this hour, if we get 15 gifts, we'll be well on our way. So you help us get there by going to WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And now is a great time to become a sustaining member. It's easy to set up convenient ongoing monthly donations from your bank account or your credit card. You can get started at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Larry, we heard from Jane in Greenleaf, and Jane says, I spend a lot of time out in our barn doing chores 
Listening to Larry changes my work time to learning and thinking time. How nice. Thanks a lot, Jane. Oh, thank you, Jane. Uh, I hope you'll join Jane with your gift right now. Powerful really makes a difference at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this edition of Garden Talk. Larry Mueller here with my guest, Danny Baker, who is the author of The Home Scale Forest Garden, How to Plan, Plant, and Tend a Resilient Edible Landscape. It's a wonderful book, and I hope you have a chance to join in with your own questions or comments as we move along. You can reach us at 1-800-642-1234, 800-642-1234, or you can send us an email, email address, ideas at wpr.org, ideas at wpr.org. There's a fair amount of things to kind of consider. The, the way I, I love your book because you really lay that whole business out from start to finish when it comes to uh, planting a garden of this nature. And I yes. know, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Danny. What is your question? <laughs> well, I, I guess my question was, or I guess I was asking you to, to maybe sort of lay out exactly how the, what you go through or what mm -hmm. readers are going to find when they look at your book. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I already talked about the first section. The middle section talks about a, a, about a 125 different plants that you can grow and the have, you know, how their, their growth habits, what kind of um, soil they like, how, um, how much if they can tolerate drought, all of those things, what kind of food products they, they provide you. And um, the, the last section actually gives you some ideas. So I have about a dozen sketches and some CAD drawings showing you different arrangements of plants that just as a, as a jumping off point for you to think about what would work in your setting. Um, and they're also, they're, they're grouped in different habitats. So I have some in a super very saturated soil. I have some in high and dry, some in the shade with, you know, pretty even moisture, that kind of thing. So you can think about the, the, the different habitats you have on your property and what might work there. Seth in Dodgeville has something for us. Let's go there. Hi, Seth. Thanks for calling. Hello. Um, I was wondering about hardy kiwi if you incorporate those in your forest garden at all, um, what their food value is and any tips on growing them, like what's the best soil or um, if any nutrients or anything are needed for that. And I'll take your comments off the air. Thank you. All right. Thanks, uh, Seth. Good question. So I tried to grow hardy kiwi and I was unsuccessful. Um, they all died. But I've, I'm successfully growing Arctic kiwi, which is a little more hardy. It's hardy to zone three. Um, and it also has edible fruits, quite delicious. Um, they're, they're about the size of a grape and they're, they taste like a kiwi, but there's no fur on the outside. It's just sort of a solid green outer shell and you can just pop it in your mouth and eat it like a grape. Um, they do like shade. They like partial shade. So I, mine is in a little bit too much sun, I think, and it's not thriving as well as it would if it had a little more shade. Um, as far as nutrients go, I don't 
see the whole idea of this kind of garden is you don't want to have to add amendments so you let nature take care of it so i do mulch with a lot of wood chips when i'm starting uh, when i'm getting a plant started but once it's 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 uh, established then all those you know the ground covers and the herbaceous plants start growing all around and the woody um Perennials are so resilient, they don't seem to care. And if you think about nature, a lot of the vines and the shrubs and the trees are growing with all kinds of other stuff around them, and they're perfectly happy. That uh, makes, um, makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can say about the Arctic kiwi. Um, it does need some pruning, uh, and that's about the only kind of care. I'm sure it doesn't like to have wet feet, so I think well-drained soil would be useful. I think one of the reasons my hardy kiwis failed was they were in pretty wet soil. So mm. I don't think they like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Susan and Marshall uh, called, couldn't stay with us, wondering if you have beehives on your farm. Well, we have a couple of hives, but we don't really tend to them. Uh, occasionally, a wild swarm will move in, and uh, some, you know, the winters are pretty harsh here, so they'll often perish over the winter. But then the next spring, another swarm will move in. But we don't take the honey, and we don't really manage it. We have a lot of native pollinators. You know, I'm glad you asked that question because in a forest garden, you want to have lots of things blooming from as early in the season as you can to as late in the season, and as continuously as possible so that those pollinators will be around your garden. And when your berry bushes and your fruit trees start to bloom, they'll be there to pollinate them. You can join in too. Number to call 800-642-1234. Or you could email us, the email address ideas at wpr.org, ideas at wpr.org. You talk about your use of and I'm not sure I've got hugoculture mounds. Hugoculture, right. Hugoculture mm -hmm. mounds. And that's not a term that I was familiar with. I mean, I kind of understood the mound system. But uh, describe uh, hugoculture mounds and, and how you use them in your landscape. Yeah. Well, um, I've used them in a couple of situations. Um, I have very heavy clay soil. And so I built a couple of really large ones, 50 foot long ones in my the first part of the garden. Um, the idea was I piled up the soil. First, you start with logs or wood and you pack it close together to kind of form the base of the, of the mound. And then you can put soil, you can put all kinds of organic matter on top, um, compost, anything that you've got. Um, and, and form the shape that you want. And then I usually top it with wood chips, a couple of inches of wood chips that don't have any weed seeds in them. Um, the whole idea of this mound is you're raising it above, um, you can, I've used it in the woods where I have a lot of root competition from the established trees and I've built them there. I've built them where I have standing water. So in August, when it, when that standing water dries up, I built these mounds, and then they bring they they raise the level of growing space above the standing water, so I can grow bushes on them and even trees, even though there might be six or eight inches of standing water at the base. Um, the wood inside actually starts to rot and provides organic matter for the mound, and it also absorbs a lot of water. So it's like a little water sink in the middle of the mound. So in times of drought, the plants that you put on top of the mound can actually source water inside the mound where that rotting wood is. 
And that mound, uh, you, you said you, you have the one that you made was 50 feet, but it, they, what's your smallest? Oh, uh, maybe, uh, ooh, I'd say about mm, maybe five or six feet by six feet. It doesn't have to be huge. And you know when else, another place where it's really good, if you have really rocky soil or if you actually have rock, you can build this on top of it and you can actually grow things. And it's a lot easier than a raised bed because you need wood for a raised bed. You need to import soil. Here, you just use what you have. You go into the woods, gather some logs or branches, and then any kind of organic matter, garden waste like I've used, um, recently I harvested my squash and I have all these squash vines. I've just thrown them on top. You know, you can go cut weeds in, you know, in your swamp and throw them on top. It really doesn't matter um, because all of that will gradually rot and produce wonderful, rich soil. Although you did have one problem once uh, when you, <laughs> you, you went for the day and some of the helpers uh, were making one and they, yeah. I, I think it involved willows. Yes, it did. You have to be careful not to put anything um, inside that mound that might take over. So willow willow branches might root and just infest that mound with, with willows. Or uh, quack grass is another thing. You don't want to include anything that's going to, you know, take over. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you had to do that one over. By the way, I kind of liked all the little side stories. You have so many of them in the book, which Thank are you. always kind of a, oh, here's a nice little surprise treat to read about. Thank you. Uh, one thing or another. Well, uh, again, you can join at 800-642-1234, or you can email us. The email address, ideas at wpr.org. So, and how high are those mounds, by the way, typically? Um. Uh, they start out maybe four feet high, and then they tend to sink down. Yeah. So they might end up being two and a half or three feet high. Yep. So uh, I could I could envision them. I mean, we have had a number of people calling and saying, "What am I gonna? What, what could I grow in this area where it's wet half the time?" Yep. And or or it uh, every time it we get a big rain, then that water sits there for a, a long period of time. And I could yeah. see those mounds yeah. uh, as a great starting point for someone with that kind of situation. Yep, definitely. And in the book, I explain in detail how to build them step by step. Yeah, with uh, I might add with a lot of good uh, photographs. And diagrams uh, in your book as well that are uh, attractive as well as instructive. <laughs> so uh, appreciate that very much. When do you, what do you, um, somebody else is wondering, what do you have or what tips do you have for getting your plants off to a good start? Okay. Um, first of all, I don't put any amendments in the, in the ground. Uh, let's assume that we're planting a bare root plant. So you want to plant it as early in the spring as you, as you can dig. So as soon as the ground defrosts, I would say you want to dig that hole. Um, you want to score the sides of the hole if it's heavy clay so that the roots will have a place to penetrate. And then just fill it back in with the soil that's there. Because you want your plant to adapt to your environment. You don't want to put anything artificial in there. Um, I always, I water it in really, really well. And then I put about um, four inches of wood chip 
mulch on top. I don't put, um, and I put um, a uh, hardware cloth um, trunk guard around the trunk so that the rodents can't eat, can't girdle the trunk under the snow. And then I, I, I spread the, um, I, I make a donut shape with, with the wood chip. So it's, it's thicker in the outer rim of the circle and it's thinner toward the middle. And um, I find that that wood chip is such a great insulator that it, it holds, it maintains that moisture that I, when I water the plant in really well, throughout the entire season, I rarely have to rewater. I do check twice a week. I stick my finger in that wood chip mulch. If it's still cool and moist, I do not water. If it's if it feels a little dry, then I'll water that new plant. Um, keeping weeds away from it um, in the, for the first year or two, I think is really important. But once it's established, you can let the ground covers and, and the herbaceous plants move in and, and uh, everybody's happy. <laughs> today her book is titled the home scale forest garden great to have her with us and you could join in at 800-642-1234 or you could email us to ideas at wpr.org here we are in the last day of our wisconsin public radio fall member drive Ezra Wallback with me. Your gift of any amount makes a big difference. Because listener support is the largest source of our funding for WPR programs. And that means that your support funds this program as well as all the other WPR shows that you count on. So give now at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. This hour, we have a goal of uh, 15 gifts, and I'm not sure how many we've gotten so far, but I'll tell you what, thanks if you've already given. That's right. If you haven't had a chance yet, this is the last day of our fall member drive. So today's the day for you to join in. Go to WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Your gift makes the programs that you value possible. And, you know, Garden Talk, every Friday we have a Garden Talk show, and it turns out that Garden Talk is one of the most popular uh, shows that we have on the Ideas Network. Lots of people listen uh, every week, and they listen because, well, first, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always It's always fun to talk with experts like Danny uh, about gardening gives uh, gardeners a chance to join in with their own questions. And sometimes uh, a guest might not have the answer, uh, right answer off the top of his or her head, in which case other gardeners call in and say, well, I've done this or I've done that, and it's, it's worked well. I, you know, this is a, a really fun program to do. It enriches my life. What about you? How is your life enriched by this program? How... Is it unique to public radio? We're listener-supported, and that means when you give at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552, you make this program and many more programs possible. So I hope you'll choose an amount that works for you. Take a couple of minutes and make your gift. That's right. And when you're doing that, if you're if you're still on the fence about exactly how much to give, just think about what you spend money on every day. Uh, maybe you get a cup of coffee. Maybe you're about to get some takeout for lunch. Well, it, it's a little bit today, but over time it all adds up. It's really easy to spend on things that are just part of your regular routine. 
And Wisconsin Public Radio is part of your routine as well. It's your news source, your conversation starter, your, your place to learn. So spend some money on it today. Start with a dollar a day. That's $30 a month at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. We tune in to Wisconsin Public Radio for the shows we all know and love. And a lot goes into making a show. My name is Joe Hartke, and I'm a technical director. A technical director is there to make sure a broadcast sounds nice, stimulating, and engaging. I know our listeners are incredibly smart when it comes to sound, so much so that when I've put the wrong bird in a piece, they will point out to me that that particular bird is native to Dublin, Ireland, and would not be heard in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Every piece I do, I feel like I could keep on tweaking for another week on something, but we have deadlines, so I have to stop. Wisconsin Public Radio is a high-quality experience every time you tune in. And when you give, you're a big part of what makes it all happen. Go to WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552 to make your donation during our drive. Larry Mueller here with Ezra Wall. The programs you enjoy are possible thanks to your support, your contribution, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever amount you choose, makes a difference for our entire community. That's right. The people of Wisconsin all across the state have access to quality news, to talk and entertainment, to wonderful information like you're hearing on Garden Talk today because 50,000 individuals and households choose to support WPR. Wisconsin Public Radio works on the honor system. You can join this effort with your gift right now, say $10 a month. You decide the amount and then make your gift at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And as Larry mentioned earlier, this hour we've got a goal. We're looking for 15 gifts. So if you've already given, thanks a lot for supporting WPR. And if you haven't, there's still plenty of time. Go to WPR.org or call 888 888- 202-2552 and make WPR possible when you give. If you're a sustaining member, thank you so much. Maybe today you make the day make it the day you increase your support of WPR, five or ten dollars a month, whatever amount you choose at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Kathy's telling a familiar story here. She says, uh, I listen to WPR every time I'm in my car. And that could be any time of the day for 10 minutes or for hours. You're the best. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. What about you? Uh, Join with your gift right now. It's so important at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And thank you. You're listening to Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Larry Mueller here with my guest, Danny Baker, who has written the book, The Homescale Forest Garden, How to Plan, Plant, and Tend a Resilient, Edible Landscape. Join in with your questions. Number to call 800-642-1234. You can email us to ideas at wpr.org. Uh, Danny, a listener emailed to ask if you could give some examples of the different kinds of perennial plants you use in your garden. Okay. Um, wow. (laughs) 
Sure. Um, I'll, I'll first, I think I'll talk about some native plants. So honeyberry is one bush. It has wonderful, delicious berries. It, it's drought tolerant. It doesn't need acid soil. Um, the deer don't even mess with it. No pests, no disease, delicious berries. Um, and they're, they ripen in June. Um, that's one. Clove currant is another. That's another native. It's a, it's a black currant, but it's less pungent than the European currants. Um, it it um, has beautiful yellow flowers in, in May, which smell like cloves. That's why it's called clove currant. And um, the berries ripen in late July, early August. Um, no, no maintenance whatsoever, very little pruning, no diseases. Um, very adaptable, can take some shade, can take sun, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful plant. Um, a plant I love for really wet ground is called the highbush cranberry. It's a viburnum and it gets to be, it's very large, maybe 10 or 12 by 10 or 12 feet. But it's a beautiful plant, beautiful clusters of white flowers in the spring, then clusters of red berries that um, Start turning color, I'd say, in midsummer. Stay on the plant all winter long at times, and then the um, the uh, songbirds that come in the spring eat them. Um, beautiful crimson color uh, leaves in the, in the fall, and uh, just a wonderful plant for a wet area. And you can eat the berries. <laughs> you can eat the berries if you want to. All right. That's right. They're pretty tart, but, you know, you add sugar just like you would with cranberries. Um, you know, you had... You talk about trees and and you talk about transplanting uh, in your book and and describe yep. and I was really uh, taken with your um, your method, your techniques uh, for transplanting as it relates to leaves and such. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, if you have to transplant something in the high summer when it's in full leaf, um, I learned this from, I got a plant at that time of year from a nursery and all the leaves were cut in half. And I, I called to ask them what that was about. And they said, well, that re reduces transpiration because when you have a plant full of leaves, so much water vapor is going to leave it and go into the air that it might not take very well. So when I trans transplant something in the middle of the summer, that's not my preferred time. But if I have to do it, then um, I would I would cut maybe half the leaves off the plant. I don't cut the branches, just the leaves and the remaining leaves I might cut in half. And that way I reduce the transpiration and the plant tends to um, put its energy into the roots and get what get better established. And you had some. Re you talk about having some really almost being surprised at the results. They were very good. Yep. I hadn't. Yep. Uh, I hadn't heard of uh, that process, but uh, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> when, mm -hmm. when you just when you think about it. Yep. Skip and Milton has something for us. Let's uh, let's go there. Hi, Skip. Well, hi, Larry. Um, I just got rained out from the garden, so I got. Got my potatoes and the rest of the onions in. And uh, this is a question about uh, something I planted too close together. Um, I have to take responsibility for this, but I I have a very healthy batch of rhubarb and a very healthy patch of asparagus too close together. They're, <laughs> they're right tight together, and the asparagus is growing up through the rhubarb and all this. So I would like to separate them and transplant one of them i don't know which 
would be uh, the better way to go. Um, yeah, uh, transplant the rhubarb. That's what I was going it, to say. <laughs> you're never gonna, you're never gonna be able to dig out that asparagus. That has a root system like a tree. <laughs> so I would definitely transplant the rhubarb. And the rhubarb is, uh, rhubarb is tough. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to kill almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might still come up even if you try to get most of the root out. It might still come up again, but at least. It'll be an improved situation. Yeah, do the take the rhubarb, Skip. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Bonnie and Wanakee. Uh, we'll go to you. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Um, my husband and I have a, about a thirty-five-year-old Kentucky coffee tree, and it has produced some offspring. It, it's planted kind of on the edge of a prairie, so we've been letting the the, the volunteers grow until they're about four feet just I guess out of neglect but but Kentucky coffee trees are lovely trees but we know they have a tap root so we don't know if we should you know bother trying to transplant them and if so which time of year and, and the best approach. So Kentucky coffee tree volunteers can we transplant and what time of year would be best? I'm not familiar with that tree. Perhaps another listener can answer the question. I mean, I can give you a general answer. Um, I would either transplant them early in the season or now. You could do it now because um, the roots actually, as the leaves die and fall, that energy goes back into the plant and, and there's, a, a, there's a spurt of root, root growth in the fall. So you could do it either spring or fall. Yeah, I'd probably, yeah, and we've got enough, there's enough time yet for the tree to become established. Yep. And Bonnie, you're you're kind of a gardener. Why not give it, <laughs> gardeners love to experiment. This would be a good good thing to do. I'd, I'd experiment with that. Thank you so much uh, for calling. Uh, appreciate your call as well. And um, here we are in our fall member drive. We're getting right to the top of the hour, because so I want to bring back Ezra Wall, because we do have a goal here. And uh, you know that listener supports the largest source of our funding. Your gift right now could be $10 a month, $100 a month. Whatever you choose makes a difference for our show. So give now at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And the goal Larry mentioned is 15 gifts. If we get 15 gifts this hour, that'll have us well on our way to getting the support we need for the future here at WPR. So go to WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Garden Talk is a very popular program. As you, and as you've been listening today, here, here we've got a, a wonderful guest, Danny Baker, in her book, The Homescale Forest Garden. Uh, it it goes into a lot of great detail, but it's also a fun read. <laughs> and we are listener-supported here, a very popular program like Garden Talk. When you give, you make this program and many more programs possible. Go to WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552. Just choose an amount that works for you. Take a couple of minutes and make your gift. This member drive show off your support for WPR programs 
that uh, you value with the belt bag. Uh, we talked about maybe maybe some of you call it a fanny pack, some of you call it a body body bag, whatever you're going to call it. Uh, it's a stylish bag that allows you hands-free access to some goodies, your phone, a wallet, a snack, a dog treats, etc. So your new WPR accessory is yours when you make a gift of $10 a month or more at WPR.org or by calling 888-202-2552. Public radio gives people opportunities to hear programming that they can't hear anywhere else. My greatest fear as a, as a driver is that I'll run out of a zone where there's a public radio station and then I have to revert to something else. But, uh, but I, I keep coming back because of the variety. My name is Penny and Wisconsin Public Radio is my source for programming I can't get anywhere else. Give at WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552 and make your contribution. Larry Mueller here with Ezra Wall. Listener supports our biggest source of funding, and that's why your gift, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever amount you choose, has an important impact. At WPR, you get to choose how much you give. A contribution of any amount makes a difference. Think about it. We've often compared it, Larry, to streaming services that are just ubiquitous now. Everybody is a subscriber to something, Netflix, Disney, what what have you. Well, I got an email from one of those that they're going to raise their price three bucks, and I've got no choice in the matter. Here's the deal. With WPR, you set the price. Yeah. So it's better than a streaming service. <laughs> it is indeed. And you know what? WPR is probably something you look forward to. So give now. You choose the amount. Your gift makes a difference at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. You listen to WPR because you count on all of the research-based reporting, the interesting discussions, the information that you're getting today on Garden Talk. Wisconsin is a better place because you support WPR. So go to WPR.org or 888-202-2552. You're a listener. Now take the time and become a member. Your donation, say $120 for the year or $10 a month, makes Wisconsin a place where great radio is available to everyone. Give now at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Our goal is 15 gifts this hour, and you can be one of those 15 members at WPR.org or by calling 888-202-2552. Now's a great time to become a sustaining member. It's easy to set up, convenient, ongoing monthly donations from your bank account or your credit card. Get started at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. That's right. Thanks for listening. Lori in Stevens Point says, I listen every day. I learn so much from Larry and his guests. Thank you so much, Lori. We appreciate it. What about you? Your gift right now, very powerful, really makes a difference at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And thank you.
You're listening to Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Larry Mueller here taking a look at uh, how to create an edible garden ecosystem with Danny Baker. She's the author of the book, The Homescale Forest Garden, How to Plan, Plant, and Tend a Resilient Edible Landscape. Questions for her? I hope you'll join in. Um, Give us a call. The number is 1-800-642-1234. Email us to ideas at WPR.org, ideas at WPR.org. We'd love to hear from you. David in Northern Illinois has a question for you. Danny, let's go there. Hi, David. Hi. I really do appreciate the the opportunity to ask the question. I have a Myers lemon tree that's potted that I have outdoors, and I uh, and I'm trying to understand when I need to bring that indoors at what temperature. I read very conflicting things out on the internet, anywhere from 50 degrees all the way down to 20, and I'm looking for some advice. Well, I wouldn't do it at 20. <laughs> That's too cold. But, Danny, what do you think? Oh, oh, I'm not familiar with Myers Lemon. I have figs, and I put them in the basement for the winter, and I'll bring them in probably when we start having some frost, some light frost. I'll probably, and when their leaves have fallen off, I'll bring them in. Yeah, the Myers yeah. Lemon is sort of like uh, Limey the Lime Tree uh, that we have. Um that they do not like cold temperatures at all. So if it was me, David, I I I, I would not leave it out past uh, forty five degrees, maybe, um, because you'll set it back a bit. And you with Lamy, I you can put that. I put that in um, in a sunny window. Uh, on the second floor at about that time, and your Myers lemon will probably lose some leaves right away, and you'll look like it's dying. <laughs> but it'll start growing new leaves that are better suited to the conditions inside your home, and so they'll get a little they'll get a little thicker uh, than they than they are. They'll need to be a little thicker to you know gather in the sun and so forth. So forty five fifty degrees. I'd rather be safe than sorry, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Others might disagree, but that's that's the way I'd go, uh, for sure. Uh, Danny, the uh, uh, overstory trees. You you we we sort of mentioned in passing, but you you have overstory trees. Explain that and and how you selected them. Mm-hmm. My overstory trees are primarily nitrogen fixers. So I have some um, black locusts. I have honey locusts. Um, They'll grow to be, you know, 60, 70, 80 feet tall. Um, So, and, and the amount of nitrogen that they fix is proportional to their canopies. So if you have an overstory tree with, let's say, a 40 foot wide canopy, you can actually provide nitrogen that's usable to a whole lot of Uh, plants below. And what I do, so there's plenty of light for the fruit trees and the berry bushes below, I trim up my nitrogen fixers up to 30 feet if I have to. So most fruit trees don't grow taller than 20 feet tall. So that way there's at least 10 feet of ambient light above 
the fruit trees, plus the uh, legumes, the, the honey locust and the um, black locust, they have very small leaves and they have pretty open canopies. So a lot of light filters down through them anyway, as opposed to like an oak tree that's so dense. So um, that's, that's what I do. My overstory is primarily those. Yep. And your understory primarily, do you, do you have, uh, well, talk about your understory a bit. Well, I have fruit trees. I have nut trees. Um, those would be between 10 and 30 feet tall. And then I have a whole lot of berry bushes um, in the lower levels. And then I have a lot of herbaceous plants. I have perennial vegetables. There's a lot of other perennial vegetables besides rhubarb and asparagus that mimic annual vegetables. But the beauty of them is you plant them once and then they grow back year after year. So the labor involved is so much less than annual vegetables. And then of course, herbs and other ground covers um, and even vines. So I have some vines growing up my trees. Why not? <laughs> That's right, why not? We haven't talked at all about, uh, or very much about pests. Uh, I know mm -hmm. you've had a little section on spotted winged Drosophila. Yep. Has that turned into a problem uh, for you at all? Not at all. And I, I knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> mm. I think perhaps because we are on an island in the middle of the St. Lawrence River and those fruit flies are so tiny, they might be having trouble getting across the water. So no, but I do, um, we have a lot of wind on the island and I, I make sure that I, um, I prune my raspberries really well in the spring. And then as soon as those second year canes die, I prune them out. So I don't want a lot of humid air, you know, kind right. of held under those plants. And I'm also very careful to pick my berries every day or every other day. I don't leave any rotten berries around to feed, you know, the, the pests. Yeah, that's, I, I think, very, very important. You can join in with your questions, the number to call 800-642-1234. Let's turn to Leslie in Cottage Grove. Leslie, hi, what's on your mind? Hi, good morning, thank you. Um, we grow, we have a quarter acre garden and grow an awful lot of stuff in it. Amongst them is butternut, acorn, and spaghetti squash, as well as jack-o'-lantern and sweet pumpkins. This year, the butternut squash seems to have been crossed with a bunch, it, it's green and yellow. Can we eat it? Hmm. What do you think, Danny? Well, cut it open and cook it and try it. If it doesn't taste good, then no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd leave it out as long as I could. To just, to, you know, maybe it's just not ripening uh, the way it normally would ripen and we've had weird uh, weather conditions here in the state we had there was a time we had a lot of water but then we had a lot of drought uh, throughout the state and that's caused some differences in you know some of our plants especially in our squash among our squash plants so i don't think it'll hurt you i mean potatoes you don't want to have you know green tomato potatoes for sure but with squash, I, I, I don't, I, I, I'd let them sit a little longer. Uh, Becky and Ryo will go to you next. Hi, Becky. Hi, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, this is a really interesting topic, and I've only heard a little bit about it before. 
So I'd like to know some examples of other perennial vegetables that I could grow besides rhubarb and asparagus. Sure thing. Go All ahead, right. Danny. So the first one I would say is called Good King Henry, and it's like a perennial spinach. And the beauty of it is it starts producing leaves in April. Now, in April, you're just starting to plant your spinach, right? Yeah. But here, you know, you can harvest it in April. You can even harvest the, the flower head and cook that. And if you irrigate it for the whole season, it'll continue to produce leaves. It doesn't have problems bolting the way that spinach will when the weather gets warm. But what happens in my situation, I don't do any um, irrigation. So if when the summer is hot and dry, the plants goes dormant and then in August, when we get some rain, it's, it has another flush of leaves and I have another crop. So that's one. Turkish rocket is another perennial um, vegetable. It's like a spicy uh, mustard. So that also starts producing leaves in April. You can harvest it. The flower heads, it has big spikes um, with little yellow flowers. You can eat the flowers as well. Um, before they open, it's like a broccolia. So you can, you know, you can cut the stem and cook it like a, a broccoli. And um, again, just like the, um, the Good King Henry, it'll go dormant when it's dry. And then it'll have another wonderful flush of tender leaves in the fall. Um, so that's the second one. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, well, many people don't know that hosta, when the stalk first comes up in the spring, you can cut that and cook that like asparagus. The same with, um, uh, what's that called? Giant Solomon seal. You can cut that stalk when it's curled up, when it first comes up and cook it like asparagus. Um, oh, what else? Um, is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's go back to it again because people are probably saying, oh, wait a minute. What was this again? So Good King Henry is? It's like a, a perennial spinach. Now, I, I want people to know, though, these perennial vegetables are a lot stronger in flavor than annuals. But you have to think about it like the bitterer, the better. Those roots are extensive, they're deep and they're broad. And so they're pulling up a whole lot more nutrients than an annual plant will in just the short season that it grows. So, and when you cook these vegetables, they tend to mellow out. So the harsh flavor that you taste when you eat them raw is gonna be mellowed out when you cook them. So that's Good King Henry. And once again, Turkish Rocket. Turkish Rocket, yep. And it Turkish. is, what's the flavor of that again? It's like a spicy mustard. It's a brassica. So, you know, like a spicy mustard or um, oh, like a, a very strong tasting kale, perhaps, arugula. You know, those would be similar flavors. What, uh, do you have many problems growing this way as with more traditional, as opposed to more traditional methods? Actually, there's as time now, there's a lot of labor and thought and planning that goes into establishing a garden like this. But once it's established and the ground is covered, there's so much less labor than annual vegetables. Yeah. I mean, I have an acre garden. If I had an acre of annual vegetables, it would be dawn to dusk every day of the growing season. I know because I've done it. <laughs> I only had three quarter acre and it was dawn to dusk. But you don't have to cultivate. 
There's very little weeding once the ground is covered with something you want. And I've even allowed um, wild plants to move in because once those woody plants are established, they're very happy if you have things like goldenrod and, um, and uh, wild aster and things like that growing up around them. And those just, those just feed all the native pollinators and they're beautiful. And maybe it reminded me of groupings. Uh, creating the right grouping, I think, is a, is a key. Mm -hmm. uh, what advice do you have in that? Oh, come up with the best guess you have, plant them and see what happens. <laughs> I think, you know, it's sort of like I haven't ever grown um, perennial flowers, but it's kind of like perennial flowers. You know, some things will try to take over. You might not anticipate that, but if they do, then you know, you know, next time, don't put them there. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it's just a trial and error thing. Um, you know, in my book, I give some suggestions about what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for me. But the other thing is, um, when you plant annual vegetables, it's just one season, you clean up the garden at the end of the year and you start all over. In a perennial planting, there's succession. So from year to year, things will change and you just kind of observe what happens. If you don't like it, you can try to modify it. And if, you know, but I just find it fascinating to see what the plants want to do. <laughs> well, it's a, a fascinating book uh, that you have here, Danny. And I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and, and talking about it. I appreciate it very much. It was fun. Thank you. It was fun for me, too. Thanks so much for having me. Danny Baker is the author of The Homescale Forest Garden, How to Plan, Plant, and Tend a Resilient Edible Landscape. Some good, very good writing and lots of wonderful photography and diagrams uh, included in the book, which really add a lot to it. And here we are in the last day of our Wisconsin Public Radio Fall member drive and we have a dollar-for-dollar dollar match. I know Ezra Wall is going to talk about that. But your gift, any amount makes a difference. Listener supports our largest source of funding uh, for this show, for Garden Talk. It's a vote for Garden Talk, frankly. But all the other shows you count on uh, are helped out as well. So give now at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And what about that dollar-for-dollar dollar match? Well, Larry, it's a match that's up to $2,000, and we have uh, until 1 o'clock to hit that match. So now uh, is the time to do it. Uh, so far, we've got uh, a little over $100 in, but this is our first opportunity this hour to really tell people about it. So we'll get... We'll get off. Uh, we'll we'll get off to a good start here now that people know that there's a dollar for dollar match from current members, including a member in Lisbon, and it means that they'll match every dollar you give up to two thousand dollars. It's their way of encouraging you to join them in supporting WPR. So double your support right now. It's a great opportunity at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. Larry, I've been listening to Garden Talk since I moved back to Wisconsin a few years ago, but I didn't know that Master Gardeners can get continuing education credit for listening to the show. That just goes to show you what a valuable resource Garden Talk is to our listeners. And you can not only enjoy the show, uh, but if you're, if you're uh, an expert, you can sort of get that continuing ed credit. And we have some of the best gardeners in our state right here to answer your question, whether it's about fruit trees or organic gardening or rose bushes or houseplants. 
Help Garden Talk grow right now. Make your gift at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And when you do, you can ask for the new WPR baseball cap. Larry, I'm, I'm jealous I haven't seen it in person because I'm in lacrosse, but I've heard you talking about showing it off to people. I'm wearing uh, it right now. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's, a, it's a light green hat. It's got sort of a retro radio embroidered on it along with with uh, the WP where it says WPR right on the front. So it's great for fall. Now the weather's cooling off a little bit. It's great anytime it shows off your commitment to WPR and it can be yours for $15 a month or more at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Member drives, there a time to celebrate the programs you value here on Wisconsin Public Radio. You, you tune in for quality you've come to expect and now we're asking you to support your values with a donation. This fall member drive is your chance to participate in the quality programs that you enjoy because listener support is the foundation for WPR programs and because we've got that dollar-for-dollar dollar match in progress. And now we're up to $815, Larry. I knew we were going to get it going. So we've got $1,100 or so still on the table in that dollar-for-dollar dollar match. So double your donation now by going to WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Oh, let's try to get it by the end of this half hour. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That That'd be that would be great. I'd love it. Uh, help us meet that goal. You j and join in today. Uh, you can become a member with your first ever gift of ten or twenty dollars a month at wpr.org or at 888-202-2552. What are the qualities of a good friend? A good friend is always there for you. Good friends are dependable, honest, they tell good stories, they're a lot of fun. A good friend is someone that you can learn from, that you can rely on, that's consistent, brings you joy, a partner in your life. A good friend is reliable and always there for you. They push you and try and help you grow. They don't just tell you what you want to hear, but they tell you what you need to hear. Someone who takes an interest in you, asks you questions, good listener, reliable, supportive. A good friend is going to keep you company when you really need it. They introduce you to new ideas, new music, recommend books to read. Trustworthiness, always being available when needed, reliability. Just like you can count on a dear friend, you can count on Wisconsin Public Radio for trustworthy news, engaging stories, and high-quality entertainment. And like any good friendship, WPR relies on you in return. Your financial support makes the essential service you trust and value possible. Your gift now really makes a difference. Here's how to give. Go to WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552 to make your donation. Larry Miller here with Ezra Wall. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here for a second. You support the... Um, the shows like Garden Talk and your support for those shows really makes them possible. So your gift, $10, $20 a month, whatever amount you choose is the right amount. Supporting Wisconsin Public Radio right now is a great thing to do with just a few minutes of your time. We just need some information like your name, your contact info, how much you'd like to give and how you would like to pay. And I'm telling you right now, we are on the last, this is the last time you'll be hearing me talk about 
the fun drive because uh, it's the last day of your of the drive, and it's your last chance to put in a vote for Garden Talk. Your gift supports Garden Talk and all the programs uh, that keep you connected to the world. So I hope you'll give right now at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552. And it's also your last chance during Garden Talk to double your contribution. $100 becomes $200, $200 becomes $400, or you know, $10 becomes $20 if, if that's where you're at. The amount is entirely up to you because at WPR you get more than you pay for. It's the one place where that's true every single day. So don't put it off. Don't put it on a to-do list. Just take care of it right now while you're thinking about it. Give at WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552. Just takes a, a few minutes and you'll have that good feeling of supporting the programs you value. That's right. Today, when you support the programs you value on WPR, give the amount that's comfortable for you. A lot of people, if they're just starting out, they think maybe $10 a month is a nice, affordable number for me. So some give $100 a month or more, whatever, really, whatever amount is right for you. We want you to be part of our membership family. And our dollar-for-dollar match, uh, it's still in effect, but we're running running out of dollars, so (laughs) rush in right now and make your contribution. Give now at WPR.org or at 888-202-2552, and your support of WPR goes twice as far. And don't forget, you can add that WPR baseball cap to your wardrobe. I'm waiting for mine. Uh, This light green hat features a retro embroidered radio with WPR branding, and it's yours at $15 a month or more at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Then you can wear that new hat with pride, knowing that you make all this news and information possible. Thank you so much for listening to Garden Talk and and for listening to WPR. Our team loves doing this show, and we love the fact that we have such a great audience. If you haven't given yet, do it right now. Go to WPR.org or phone 888-202-2552. Thank you for contributing, and thank you for listening. I'm Larry Mueller with Ezra Wall.